Orioles Review, and joining me as usual is Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. Awesome. And uh, Matthew is out of the country uh, in merry old England, so joining us tonight is an old friend of the show, former contributor, Sean Newkirk. Sean, uh, you were also in Europe not very long ago. How was your uh, trip? It was good. It was very, very good. Ate a lot of pasta and pizza, and then um, it, uh, Greece doesn't necessarily have. Greece just kind of eats everybody else's food, so that was nice. Too. So we had a lot of, a lot of world food, but it was good. Yeah, it seems like everyone now that everyone could travel, everyone's going yeah. to like these cool vacations, and uh, uh, so that's kind of cool to see. Live vicariously through you guys. Uh, we're still kind of saving up to try to do something like that, but it's gonna mm-hmm. probably gonna take yeah. a while, especially if you have kids. But uh, you got kids, yeah, yeah, yeah but. Yeah. Hey, it's, it seems it looks fun, you know. And uh, how are the prices out there? Are they are they suffering through inflation as well? No, because the beauty is that, and God, this is so te- this is very financy, really quick. But the dollar and the euro are at parity. So basically, I mean, for years and years, you basically got eighty cents. Your your dollar is twenty percent less than what you know a normal euro would be. So now euro is even. So everything was basically the same. You, you, it was it was a perfect time because stuff was priced for in Greece particularly extremely um cheap um and so it was nice because your dollar went even further than it maybe would have so definitely actually a really good time to travel uh to europe at least all right well yeah if you can if you can swing it yeah definitely take a trip to europe uh well we're gonna talk a little about uh of dollars and cents and then uh, the rising cost of things when we uh, uh because i wanted to talk a little bit about bobby witt jr uh we, I, you guys probably saw in the news in the last couple of weeks that a couple of first year players signed long-term deals first it was Michael Harris the second with the Atlanta Braves having a terrific rookie season with the Braves in their outfield uh, signed an eight-year, seventy-two million dollar contract at age twenty-one, and then the big one was Mariners outfielder Julio Rodriguez, who right now seems like the the the, the big favorite for American League Rookie of the Year. He's having a sensational year. Was an All-Star. Was in the Home Run Derby. Uh, also twenty-one years old. He signed a a massive deal with the Mariners, which. Very convoluted, lots of player options, lots of club options, lots of escalators, incentives. What it comes down to is basically an eight-year contract worth about a hundred and I think it was a hundred nine million. But then he's got some player options, so if he doesn't play at all, like if he just blows out his knee tomorrow, he'd get about two hundred nine million over twelve years. Uh, so about seventeen million dollars a year. So I wrote up an article just like, okay, what would it cost if the Royals were to sign Bobby Wood Jr. at this point? Uh, we've seen most of a full season from him. He's been uh, he's he's handled his first season well. He hasn't put up the numbers Julio Rodriguez has. He hasn't. Um, he's not. You know. He's not. Um, he's he's clearly at least second or third, possibly in, in rookie of the year voting. I think behind Rodriguez and probably Adley Rushman of the Orioles as well. But he's having a solid season. So I, I pegged his numbers a little. You know, less than Rodriguez. But also knowing that, you know, he's got the pedigree. He's, the Zips likes him a lot for the next couple seasons. Um, uh, you know, he's got kind of the speed-power combo that should be pretty good for the next couple of years. He does have kind of a troubling, uh, you know, strikeout and walk ratio. But I have, as an, I have I predicted that a seven-year, $105 million contract would be about, uh, about what he could expect. Now, is that what he's willing to accept? Is that what the Royals are willing to offer? I don't know, but let's, um, you know, Sean, since you're our guest this week, let's start with you. Seven and a four hundred and five. Does that strike you as about right? A little high, a little low? Uh, what, what's your kind of feeling on signing first year players and where the market is on that? 
Yeah, gosh, I try to dig up a tweet. I, I tweeted about this when Julio or when Rodrigo signed his deal, and I can't find the tweet that I, I typed. Um, but, um, oh, yeah, actually, sorry. Yeah, so I said 150. Now, now that I actually found the tweet, yeah. So I counted his as 210 over 14 for Rodriguez. So Wit would be 150 over 14. So, and Max, you said like 120 over 7, was it, or, or more or less, or what was that? 105 over 7. And, and my thinking yeah. is that either he would sign kind of a shorter long term right. deal like 7, or go on your end of the deal like 12 or 4, because you want to hit free agency before age 30, I think, to get that mm-hmm. second long term deal, unless the team just says, okay, here's a, here's a lot of cash mm-hmm. and we've got you for a decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 actually not philosophically opposed, but I'm maybe not even fundamentally opposed, but strongly-ish opposed to any kind of pre-arb deal, particularly for guys. Well, pre-arb, particularly in their first year. Um, there are not a lot of guys. Julio would be an exception. You know, Sotos and Trouts, guys that guys come up and just dominate. Okay, those guys typically. Acuna is a really good example. Those guys typically end up being pretty good players. You know, barring injury in Acuna's case. Um, so I'm not particularly interested in giving anybody on this roster um, a long-term deal just yet. Um, just in, in speaking of with Junior, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's there's the flashes, which are really, really great. The defensive play he had maybe last night or two nights ago um, was, was awesome, where, uh, you know, catching the, the line drive off the pitcher, and there was another one that he dug out uh, dove, over the third baseline and then through the first and got the runner. I mean, he's got some great defensive plays for some reason. The metrics just hate him uh, for the most part. Um, really great coming in. And I'm just pulling stack ass off the top of my head, but he was really good coming in, but going left and right. So it's kind of a question of, okay, how wrong are the defensive metrics? Let's say, let's say they're completely wrong and, and that's fine. It's still a fairly short sample. So you could probably make that argument and be okay with it. Um, so say the metrics are way off, say instead of a two ish win player, he's uh, maybe a three win player with his current hitting. And then the question there is just how good does this does his hitting get? And I think he has a league average hitter, I want to say maybe one oh three WRC yeah, plus about, currently, yeah. give or take. Um and I mean just the OBP's bad, the walk rate's four percent or something. I mean, it's just like there's some work to do there that I wouldn't commit a boatload just yet. And I don't think Witt Jr. I don't know who his agent is. It's, it's, I don't know. He might. It's his dad. I think it's oh, his, his dad. I mean, I mean, right. I mean yeah, well, yeah. it's his dad's uh, agency, uh, yeah. Octagon, but his dad is yeah. an agent that works there. And I assume his dad is probably involved in a lot of the yes. negotiations. That's right. Yeah. And Octagon's a, a totally normal. Uh, Octagon is not some random. Octagon but, signed the Julio Rodriguez deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was thinking is like, he, it's not. He's probably in a good enough agency that they're not going to say take. Look, he's not. He doesn't have Acuna's and uh, Ozzy Albie's <laughs> or Sal- agents. Or yeah. Salvi's original say, agent. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Albie's actually switched agents immediately, so yeah. his his new agent didn't even get a piece of that contract. Um, and so, yeah, I mean that he, him signing a deal is probably unlikely if it's going to be a hundred million, right? Uh, but the Royals are in a spot where I or I would think that they should be in a spot of where they shouldn't sign a hundred fifty, two hundred million dollar deal either. So it's kind of a no man's land for now. Um, as they kind of work things out. Yeah, Jeremy, you know, I, I, you know, I think I can see the hesitation of wanting to commit to a player like Bobby White. I mean, the the chase rate is pretty high for him. The walk rate is low. His on base percentage is below three hundred. Of course, the earlier you move, the cheaper the price. The more you wait, the more you get to see what he becomes. You know, it's possible this is all he is, and maybe you don't have to pay that much. But there's also the possibility he's a lot better than this. Explodes his second year and becomes way out of your price range. What's your feeling on maybe locking him up, and what is there a price point you're kind of looking at, or, or, or a number of years you're looking at with with Bobby Witt? 
So I fully expected to be able to just completely disagree with Sean, and and I was gonna be like, you know, whatever Sean said, I'm I'm opposed to that. Um, but uh, I think I'm actually with him on this one. Uh, he's not good enough that I want to give him 105 million guaranteed right now. Um, and and I he's also he's not been around. He's not been good enough. Long enough for me to be comfortable giving him. Uh, I don't like the seven-year deal. Any free agency, and you give up all of your your options. You know, all of your 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 rookie deal, all of your arb, and you're barely getting any free agency. So if I'm gonna do a deal with with Bobby Witt, I want to do like one of those 14, 15-year suckers. And he's just not been good enough, long enough for me to feel really super comfortable with that. Um, I he's been he has been good. I the, the the WRC plus is just scaring me. The OPS plus, you know, he's 101, 103. He's really league average, which is is good for a shortstop, but it's not, uh, you know, 15 years got to lock you up and keep you forever uh, good. So, I, and I do think he'll get better, but I'm comfortable giving him another year or two, and then let's talk about. Uh, how how long a deal can we get? You know, maybe it's going to cost a little bit more in a couple of years, but we'll also have more data to go. You know, oh, that was that was kind of an outlier. He actually does walk more, or uh, he's been hitting the ball even harder. He's adjusted even better, and, and it doesn't matter that he doesn't walk. Um, without without a little bit more evidence to to show me that um, you know this is going to be a, a He's gonna find a way to be a consistent hitter without walking, or he's gonna start walking. I I just can't see doing a long term deal with him right now. Yeah, I guess I would agree with you guys at one point that the walk rate is troubling, especially in the light of his fellow rookie teammates, who MJ Melendez leads the team in walks, has had a very good walk rate. Vinny Pescantino is has been a walk machine. Nick Prado has drawn walks at a regular rate, so it's not necessarily like a oh, he's figuring out the league kind of thing. I mean, this this might be what he is. That being said, you know, you can still be a very valuable player and not walk. I mean, not, you know, I think there's a limit. You're not maybe you won't be a super duper star. You won't be a Juan Soto. But like Javier Baez just got a significant deal uh, for a guy that that doesn't walk a lot. Uh, now it's not 105 million, but he's also a little bit older at that at this point uh, with the Tigers. Aren't the Tigers already regretting it though. That is true, but I so that's the point is you get him during the pre 30 year old you know before you start declining mm-hmm. declining. That's why. I'd be really wary of doing the 14-year deal. I think getting him, I mean, a lot can go wrong in 14 years, right? I mean, if and if the the Royals just aren't a team that can kind of hold the bag for a decade if a guy's not good. I mean, they really need to kind of get some good production. And if Bobby Wood Jr. kind of fails and doesn't live up to this, con, you know, $105 million contract, let's say, like, if, if, he, if he fails, period, and they don't give him this contract, they're probably in a really bad spot, right? Because, I mean, I don't see a lot of... I mean, Gavin Cross, I like him a lot, but I don't think he's going to be, like, carrying the team or anything. I think he's a nice piece. I think he's a nice starter, potential all-star maybe. But, uh, you know, if Bobby Witt is, like, Angel Barroa out there, then the the rebuild has gone terribly wrong, I think. So, uh, you know, they have bigger problems. But, um, you know, I, I think you get him now while you can. I would actually would have probably signed him last year before he even made the big leagues uh, just because I think he would have gotten a discount now. I don't know, like, Sean makes a good point. I don't know that he's amenable to that. Uh, I know Octagon did do the Julio Rodriguez deal, but, you know, 
Bobby Wood Jr. already has a $7.7 million signing bonus he's due. Uh, under the new labor deal, he's got he can make a little bit more money uh, pre-arb than players could before. Uh, he could make, you know, uh, I don't know, potentially a million or two. I don't, I don't know. They, I don't think I've seen details on exactly how they're going to shell out that pre-arb money. So, but, but, but he's having a pretty solid year, and presumably he would make a little bit more than he usually would. So, yeah. Can I? I'll, I'll chime in too. That it's funny you mentioned Javier Baez because Baez and Witt Jr. have the exact same walk rate this year, four point seven. And so, yeah, I mean, and I'm thinking about, too, as we were talking, um, remember the calls to extend Mondesi? I mean, not that Witt's going to be the same, but there were a lot of calls to extend Mondesi uh, as a 21-year-old. You know, basically Witt's age, say, whatever, 22, 23. You know, there were calls for years to extend Mondesi, and thankfully they didn't do that. Um, and Mondesi was, I mean, had a, I want to say he had a two-win season at least. Um, let me pull it up right now. Uh, but there were a lot of talks of just say that, yeah, like let's extend Mondesi, kind of get him in these, uh, yeah, he had back-to-back two-win seasons in 18 and 19. Um, and those were only in partial kind of years too. So, yeah, so that that's kind of the same point of like, hey, flawedish hitter. If, even if you want to call Witt Jr. flawed, I mean, low walk rate for both of them. Both incredible runners, both. I mean, Mondesi was better loved by the defensive metrics, but Witt Jr.'s, I mean, by the eye test at least, which – you know, the listeners don't hear that I'm rolling my eyes, but I'm rolling my eyes at the high <laughs> test. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's some similarities in that sense, both top prospects too, both debate at a young age. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that they could be cautious or patient, I should say, on extending. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you also hear the same arguments. It's like, oh, well, if his speed and defense alone, you know, even if he doesn't hit that much, he'll be pretty valuable. But, but it, I do think there is some truth to that and that, you know, modestly, if he was, somewhat healthy like he would probably be worth you know some sort of long-term deal just because of his speed and defense I mean, it's not like you know it's it's not his lack of hitting that's really caused him to be valueless it's his inability to stay on the field i don't know if that's a concern with bobby witt jr as much uh, certainly it's mm-hmm. a inherent risk with any player um but you know you have that risk with any kind of long-term deal um and and but you know but you do you are right in pointing out that these these kind of deals have risks i mean Hunter Dozier reminds us of that every night. <laughs> Long-term deals don't always work out. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you necessarily want to commit to a guy like Bobby Witt. Uh, Sean, Sean mentioned his defense, uh, Jeremy. Where do you think Bobby ends up? I mean, I, the metrics don't like him, but I think by the eye test, he's been a hot and cold deep defender, too. He makes some great plays, but he also makes some kind of baffling ones. Um, are, is there anything you're seeing with his defense that – um, you know, he can turn it around. Is our position you like him at? What do you think of his defense so far when we're five months into his career? I I haven't seen any of the glaring issues that I'm used to seeing with Royals defenders who are having a problem, um, especially I'm used to seeing over at third base just air mailing throws and everything. I haven't – he's not been consistently bad in that way. And so I, I think he could probably – he could probably play whatever position they want him at. Um, I'd really like to see them pick a position for him and just let him play there. Um, I, we've talked before about, uh, you know, the flexibility of, of the roster is a great thing. It allows you to do all kinds of cool things, uh, make sure people get in the lineup, etc. But it also can have a mental wear and tear on a guy who has to prepare mentally every day for you know, defending multiple positions and third base and shortstop are at least, you know, pretty similar, I think. But, uh, 
I would still like to see them just say, you know what, you're, here's your position. This is where you're going to play, and and let him let him sit there and and play that position and and see if that doesn't help his offense a little bit. If he if he was hitting, you know, uh, you know, way above average, I, it wouldn't concern me. But at this point, I, it's and it may not be anything. I just want to see. I want to make an effort. Because we kind of all expected him to hit a little bit better than this, uh, e- even in his rookie year. You know, maybe we didn't expect him to have like a 150 WRC plus, but a 110, a 115 would have been nice. Um, and so, at that, this is we're kind of at the point where I'm like, okay, what can we do differently to to try and draw that out? And so that's he could be an excellent third baseman i think he's not going to be mondesi over at shortstop but he's he's going to be above average i think in the long term so he could he could play either position and i think they would be happy i just want them right now and it doesn't it doesn't have to be forever but right now i'd like them to just pick one and let him let him stick there for a while and and see if that lets him focus on getting his bat where he's trying to get it Sean, do you do you think he's a more valuable player at at third, where if he's feeling competently, or is can he still be valuable if he's kind of committing this high of error rates at short? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, maybe not chicken and the egg, but <clears throat> it's it's it, I think he's right on the, the border of like um, not he, if he's a shortstop, he gets the defensive boost. Just have it as literally have his name penciled next to shortstop and standing at that position, you automatically get a boost defensively from that. But he might not be good enough to to offset the difference between him just being at third base and how good he might be at third base. For some reason, stat, I'm just thinking of stack X because I looked at this last night or two nights ago. He's like negative six outs above average at shortstop, negative three at third base. So he and it's in like half the innings at third base. So if he had the same amount of innings at third as he has had at short, he'd basically be the same as negative six runs. And negative six runs is worse at third base than shortstop, obviously. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a, I, I feel like. I feel like everything I've seen and I've heard and, I've, and even just discussion with folks too, not, not that I've had discussion, but seen discussions that people have had um, third base just seems to be really kind of where he's probably going to be. Um, and it's kind of, it's just very bizarre because he just came out. I mean, he was, he was seen as a very, very good defensive, uh, whatever uh, shortstop uh, out of high school um, and kind of lived up to it all through the minors too. So sometimes guys just get the majors and maybe the ball bounce is different or the lights are brighter or something, but um, it's been, and that's and that's a, not an uncommon theme because you think about guys the Royals have had and maybe not more than any other team but at least you know since we kind of covered the Royals and talk about them more than anything and watch them I mean Perez was hated by them is still hated by the metrics Hosmer for the most part was hated by the metrics um, Witt Jr. has been Melendez came up as a really great catcher and now he's playing right field right so sometimes things just like don't you, the scouting report changes on guys and you know you, you kind of get some real hard data in the minor or the majors of their fielding metrics and it kind of you know puts the pen to paper and shows you exactly whether they really are truly good and you move past the eye test i guess i should say could be uh, a matter of coaching as well the major league level yeah, i mean sure. uh you know aristocoons had a good reputation of, of you know positioning for outfielders and working with techniques and and maybe we're not saying that you know that presence now uh you know and and uh perhaps that's more fodder for the people that want to fire the entire coaching staff and clean house um, you know, I, I, I think he's got the tools. I mean, it seems like he has the skill set to play a good shortstop. Like, he's got the – he obviously has the speed. He has an arm. I mean, most of his, his – it's not like Derek Jeter not being able to get to balls, right? It's <clears> like <throat> he gets a ball, gets to a ball and fumbles it or makes an errant throw. Yeah. 
I was going to say sloppiness is kind of what I feel like sometimes it feels like. Yeah, and it seems like that is something that's that could be either coached out of him or, or uh, you know, is it just a technique thing or a maturity thing? I think uh, Kevin O'Brien, who does really good work at Royal Reporter, had a good piece about how Tim Anderson of the White Sox had some defensive issues early on in his career, kind of turned things around, became a solid defender. I think a couple mm-hmm. podcasts ago I mentioned Marcus Simeon wasn't a very good shortstop his first year, but kind of became, you know, passable um, mm-hmm. and won a gold glove at second base. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's something that I, at this point where the, where the Royals are in the standings, I think try him at shortstop, see what he can do. Um, on the other hand, you know, they don't have anyone coming up a third, um, and, whereas they do have maybe a few options at short if you – I don't know if the boats probably sailed on Nicky Lopez, but some people like Mike, Mike, Michael Garcia a lot, um, you know, so maybe give him a chance or, uh, you know, we'll, so we'll see. I, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how all the, the pieces do fit. Uh, you know, Sean, you mentioned that you wouldn't want to lock up anyone else on the roster long term. I'll pose it to Jeremy here. Like, you know, we talked, you know, Bobby Witt's obviously going to take up a lot of the oxygen, but, you know, they've got a lot of baby Royals out there that people might want to see um, the Royals commit to. Um, is there anyone that you would, or maybe one or two players that you would want to try to target? Or are you, do you want to see more out of these players? Thinking about two guys um, and for very kind of different reasons. But the first one is uh, is Vinny Pasquatino. It was kind of an oddball situation here in that I'm not worried necessarily about him becoming too expensive. He's a he's a first baseman designated here, more of a designated hitter really than a first baseman even. Um, but all he's done his entire career is hit, um, including at the major league level. He did he did slump a little bit when he first got called up, but he turned it around pretty quick, um, and he was the best hitter in the lineup before he got hurt. Uh, and, and more than anything, I just want the Royals to give him, if they give him a long-term deal, knowing them, they'll commit to him, you know, like they did with Hunter Dozier, they'll, they'll commit to playing him. And that's, that's what I want them to do is I don't want them to be like, oh, well, you know, he's a designated hitter. He's not our kind of guy. Uh, he's not athletic like everybody else. So even though he hits the ball really hard, hits home runs, hits doubles, he's not our kind of guy, so we're not super committed to him. I, I want them to give him the money and be like, okay, we gave him the money, so we're committed. Um, and then the other guy I've been thinking about is Brady Singer uh, because he's been around, is this his third season now, uh, including the shortened 2020, and he has looked really good this year, but not he he's he's had at points where he's looked like an ace but not full time so i think this is the moment where you can get in on the ground floor with brady singer and you can do a deal with him a long-term deal with him uh i i don't know what the money would be necessarily but something that would be reasonable for if he doesn't improve but then if he does improve which i think he can uh, especially if he keeps working on that changeup and he develops a little bit more control of that fastball, a little bit more consistent control, um, then you've got a cheap front-end starter for for a long term. Um, so those those are the two guys I've been thinking about. Uh, will they sign? Are they, I, I can't honestly imagine them signing Pasquantino long term. Um, I would be amazed. I would celebrate if they did that, but I don't see it happening. Brady Singer is another question. I know they did that with uh, with Jordano Ventura, uh, you know, uh, shortly before uh, we tragically lost him. Uh, they gave him a big deal. They said, you know what, you've been good for two, three years. Uh, let's make sure that you're going to be here for a while. And they gave him they gave him the long term deal. 
Uh, so I, I would not be surprised if Brady Singer got something similar this year, this offseason. Ventura got that deal after his first full season, so that's kind of interesting. Singer now in his third full season. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that 2020 season. I mean, the Royals didn't game a service time, right? They kept him up. Um, oh, though I guess they demoted him this year, so that I believe would have bumped his service time back a year. But anyway, the fact that they didn't – the fact that they – didn't game it in 2020 made me think oh they've got they they're down the road on a long-term deal with his agent they're going to sign something pretty soon but they they haven't so my assumption was incorrect uh so i'm kind of surprised they hadn't worked out anything um you know sean you know you mentioned you wouldn't commit to any of these guys just talk about a little bit about why you know, you need to see more out of these players and there doesn't seem to be anyone that that perhaps you wouldn't want to, to commit to at this point yeah, I had a I had a tweet today, just kind of co- very coincidentally, um, you know, and you said, "Hey, we're talking about this on the pod," so it was kind of great timing. Where like the uh, what are one, two, three, five guys that I think are long term pieces of kind of a, a a team that you could that guys that have a belonging on a competing team, maybe not stars, not necessarily just role players, but guys that you could feel good pitching on the lineup, guys that you know are, are fit to be on a competing team, I guess. Uh, with Junior, Melendez, uh, Massey, Singer, and Basquartino. Um, I we talked about Wit. My my just my main concern is that, and this really just goes back to my not liking the extending guys. And the, every one of them are pre R. They all pre R, but Singer is like a little bit closer R than the others, obviously because he's not a rookie. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's really just my, my big kind of my hold up is just like I just am not into. Um, extending guys uh that are you know aren't standout players and you know with junior average could probably even be above average fine case Melendez is an odd case um i think he's a, a pretty dang good hitter in fact i think he'd be a, a, a really great leadoff hitter if uh, he had a little bit more wheels um but yeah i mean Melendez, but still where's he play defensively right massey just not enough sample size um singer i think i've got him kind of a little bit more towards like a three four type than like a one two type um, you know, I, I take it my just the way I think about it is if you got uh, God, this is so long, but it's sorry. The way I think about it is if you, you just start from five and you the the subtract one from five in the sense of if, if he's an ace, he's going to be a four one player, five minus one. If he's a average starter, three minus two, um, get you three war or two ish war, two and a half or so. So I don't think Singer is really ever going to hit a four or five or six war. I think he's going to maybe hover around twos and some threes, maybe. So good, good average uh, pitcher, um, but not someone I'm just jumping out to extend necessarily unless it's on a nice friendly deal. Pascotino, I really come around on him as a hitter. Um, not that I was really ever low on him, but he, the guy just hits the crap out of the ball like every single time. It's it's really amazing. He's going to be dependent upon kind of a little bit of BABIP and shifts. Um, but, I mean, it's it's amazing how every single ball he hits is hard. I, I, I don't know how it's possible. Um, and so, but he's another one guy. It's just a small sample. So that's really it. It, it, it doesn't have a lot to do with like these guys stink or I, I don't think they'll be good. In fact, I think five of them will uh, be kind of could be long term roster pieces, but it's just they none of them have convinced me to say, oh, here's $100 million or here's $80 million even or something like that. Yeah, I feel like guys with Pascontino's kind of uh, profile don't really get linked to long term deals much. I mean, I don't. I don't know if John Singleton was that kind of player. I think he was probably considered maybe a little bit better defender. You know, Pascantino, everyone seems to pencil him as a DH. And he's going to play DH on this team with Nick Prado at first base. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, Singleton and Singleton only got like twenty million too. I mean, right. Singleton was super cheap, right? Um, I think right I think on his promotion, pro- like right when he got to the big leagues too, is when he got it, right. Yeah, yeah. I think the proxy for I don't know if there's a. I think Luke Voigt. I don't know Luke Voigt's history of contract, but I think that's what it's going to be. But unfortunately, Luke Voigt, he he was a star that shined really bright and then kind of you know died out. I think he's on like his thirteen now in the past few years. So that's what I'm. That's my concern of Montino is you you've got zero defensive value and pretty much zero base running value like you have to really hit and it's tough to hit 120 wrc plus every single year unless you are really are truly a very good hitter and even then it's tough to be a dh and do that um so yeah i mean i think Voigt is the is the comparison um likely and i couldn't tell you what Voigt's uh, where Voigt's even i don't even know where he's at was he san he's diego kinda, right think, now yeah oh no he's with uh, uh da, 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 da. he got traded for hosmer Right? Uh, no, okay. no. He got traded. He got. No. Where did he go? He got traded See, to the Nationals instead of Nationals. Osmer. Yeah, that's right. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. See, trade there you go. I, yeah. I couldn't even tell you where he's at at this point. Because I saw him pop up in a game. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he was part of that trade. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, I think you raise a good point though. It's like with Melendez, like I think that's what gives me hesitation with long term deals with a lot of these. Like Bobby Wood Jr. I, I think shorter third. But these other guys, like you don't know where they're going to play in, in a couple years. Like where does MJ Melendez fit in? Is he going to be a left fielder? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a catcher? Um, is Nick Prada your first baseman in the future, or does he have to move to the outfielder so so you can get Vinny Pascantino in at first base so that Salvi can DH? Like, I don't know how the pieces fit. And we've seen with Hunter Dozier how if you got a player who doesn't really have a position or doesn't know how to play very well, or you don't you know you don't have a place to put him, uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, I so I, I hesitate a little bit with that. Um, to, for me. Melendez, out of all those guys, I think is probably the safest bet because I do like his approach to the plate. He's a patient hitter. He's got some good mm-hmm. power. Um, I think you could, he plays a passable outfield, so that if you end up having to play him in left field, that's fine. And I think his his bat will play there. Prado, I'm still I'm still I like him. Um, the strikeouts really bother me. I I think it's mm-hmm. it's going to be an issue going forward. Pascantino, it's it's hard to ink a DH to a long term deal, really. Um, and you know, people say. You know, you want to just buy out the ARB years, which uh, there's something to that, but um, I don't think that's generally a smart strategy. And I think we've seen that with Dozier. Like, it, you know, if 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 it goes south, you are going to wish you could non-tender the guy because um, it, there's, you know, it's, it's just dead weight on your roster. For the listeners, Jeremy and I both shook our heads at, <laughs> at the exact same time when Max talked about whatever, guaranteeing pre-ARB money. Yeah. Absolutely bad <laughs> idea. Well, I also, yeah. I should just no, I'm not, I'm not about the, if you're going to guarantee pre-arb, you better get some free agents. Yeah, yeah. right. You zip way past that, right? The Royals have, it's not a, you know, I'm not going to slander on on this one here, but it's, yeah, they love to buy out our deals for whatever reason. They just love it. They, they are completely unaware that it's literally a, a, a court case, basically, <laughs> where you get to argue how little you could pay the guy. Terrible system, let me be clear, but they're basically saying, no, sure, here, take the money. (laughs) It's just like you have this thing that allows you to negotiate every single year the salary. Well, they were talking about on the Star podcast, too, this week, uh, about the cost. You get cost certainty of them. Like, well, cost certainty, that's not worth – I mean, the you know leaving the flexibility of being able to release a guy that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and it's not it's not like they're getting cost certainty of oh it's five million, but it could go up to twenty five. Right, like yeah. that's not going to happen. It's it's a difference of a million or two. Right, and it's actually a good thing if they become good enough to that you need to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it means they're a really good player. No, I think you guys. I thought you guys shook your head because. Uh, 
every Royals fan has like a Pavlovian response to Hunter Dozier where they just start shaking oh. their head and, and retching and uh, yeah. <laughs> violently uh, vomiting. I think that's what Jeremy was shaking his head. I, I, I think he's on the same board. Yeah, we're, we've been we've been connected twice on stuff tonight. What the heck's going yeah. on? It must be. Was it Friday Thirteenth? <laughs> it must be. Uh, just circling back to Brady Singer real quick. I, you know, I think you raised some good points, Sean. I think he's he's, he's probably more of a mid rotation guy, even with his improvement this year. Like I think, uh, you know, he's still you know he's still kind of a three point seven zero FIP, which is what that's a little bit better than league average. Mm-hmm. Um, so he still has, I think, more to prove if he's going to get that big money, but. You know, I think if they were to offer him something like I don't know if Danny Duffy's contract. I mean, because that was a little later, and that was that was buying out some free agent years, uh, but something kind of cl- along the lines of what that kind of pitcher would get. Because uh, Danny Duffy, I think, was kind of a mid rotation guy who perhaps had a little higher, you know, uh, possibility of being something more than that. And I think that's kind of what Singer is at this point. Uh, the the fact that they haven't done a deal yet makes me pretty skeptical they ever will because he's only three years away now from. You know, I guess four years away from being a free agent, so maybe there's some wiggle room to get a deal done and income. But they kind of need to, right? I mean, I don't know if, unless you are really big buyers into Frank Mazzucato and Ben Caderna. I don't know if there's a whole lot of pitching coming down the chute if these 2018 guys don't don't pan out. So, yeah, I was thinking that's uh, a little dated. I can't believe it's dated. It feels like it was a year or two ago. Ian Kennedy's contract was five seventy, five seventy two, or something like that. Right, um, and so, yeah, I mean, with the buyout. Yeah, or, yeah, or and, and that was an opt out. Yeah, yeah, the opt out, which the biggest <laughs> that still blows my mind. <laughs> of course, he wasn't going to opt out of that, uh, and so yeah, so and they lost the first round pick, anyways. Uh, so yeah, so that was thinking like, okay, so but yeah, I mean, if you're getting stin, so I just was looking on fan graphs. I I, I totally forgot this. Eduardo uh, Eduardo Rodriguez got four seventy two million. We got eighteen million AAV. So I mean, let's if you just let's just say it's fifteen million. And what Singer's got? Uh, now we should probably do some math really quickly. What Singer got? Maybe three years left to control. Uh, well, I think kind of a, I think he's got four years down because they sent right, him down four. this year. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I mean, yeah. So I mean, if you gave him just say, uh, which I wonder, years, I do wonder if that'll be a grievance with the yeah. union at one point. Oh yeah. Because it didn't. He didn't really deserve to be demoted. <laughs> yeah. So you could do like six. 680, 790. I mean, that's probably where you would be ballparking yeah. out, right? If Eduardo Rodriguez, who's a good pitcher, um, and, you know, had the COVID bounce back, had a good year. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something you could definitely think of, like, hey, um, you probably would be talking over a six, seven-year deal to where it makes sense, right? You're not just going to do four years. Um, then, yeah, I mean, you probably would be at the 80, 80 and 90 million, um, roughly, um, given that you're buying out uh, a few years of free agency. Do you, do you have a stance on buying out or locking up uh, pitchers long term as opposed to hitters? I mean, I know you know pitchers get hurt a lot, especially these days, and also the starting pitcher is probably less valuable than it's been in our lifetime. So, is it would it make sense to even approach a starting pitcher with a long term deal like that? I don't mind it. I mean, I, I guess I'm not. You would think I'd be super bearish on pitchers, but I'm really not too bad. I mean, sure. I mean, obviously their injury risk, and I'm not going to say hitters are don't have any injury risk. They have some, but yeah, I mean. Pitchers, you certainly it's riskier, but no, I think I think for the right pitcher, you could certainly extend them um, for for the reasonable amount. I mean, I Degrom's deal was great, you know. What I mean, Scherzer's deal, you know. What I mean, like I got no problem locking up guys that are truly worth it. Um, and I think if anything, too, if you could really get a pitcher, I mean, it seems like teams are willing to dole out. I mean, again, Eduardo Rodriguez, good pitcher, got four seventy two. So if he gets that, I mean, say you gave Singer five ninety or, or whatever, seven 
97-100 or something like that, a fairly reasonable deal. God forbid something goes wrong, I'm sure they could find a taker um, for him at that. It's not like a – it's not Patrick Corbin, right, who's just unmovable because he got whatever, $180 million or some outrageous figure. He, he was good, but, you know, you can, you can live with – yeah, you can live with a hundred million, ninety million contract, and a hundred and eighty or whatever. Corbin got two ten or something. I forget. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with pitching too. Is yeah, it it it's less valuable um, than it's been in the past. But man, everyone still needs it, right? Like you need you need arms, and, and especially for the Royals who have had trouble developing starting pitchers. Like when they have one, you kind of want to hold on to it for dear life. So you know, I I I, I wouldn't be surprised that they maybe do some kind of long term deal with him. But um, it'll be interesting. We'll see what kind of numbers come out of that. Corbin, Corbin got six one forty. I was way off, but um, it seems it seems like more than that. So that's well, he's I'm just been terrible for what yeah, three years now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did want to kind of turn to minor league, uh, the minors a little bit, but not the Royals minors. Uh, the minor league uh, unions, uh, unionization. I guess uh, there's a effort to unionize the minor leagues and uh, Major League Baseball uh, kind of has. has uh, uh, given union cards now to the minor leaguers and asked them if they want to authorize to be part of the major league baseball union. Uh, and already they've gotten 50% um, car of those cards signed. Uh, and MLB, the MLBPA has asked major league baseball to recognize the minor leaguers as part of their union. Now they would get kind of their own collective bargaining agreement. They wouldn't get, they wouldn't be under the major league collective bargaining agreement, but that would give uh, Tony Clark and the union the ability to negotiate on behalf of the minor leagues, which they weren't able to do before. Um, and uh, national, the national, either Major League Baseball could choose to recognize the union or it could go to the National Labor Relations Board and they would decide if they're the, to recognize the union or not. Uh, Jeremy, I know you you wrote a little bit about minor league uh, working conditions and wages. What was kind of your reaction to the the recent effort to unionize the minor leaguers? Yeah, so anybody who knows me or reads my writing knows I'm super stoked uh, for the minor leagues getting some union representation. Um, It had become to the point where I just didn't think it was going to happen. I thought the minor leaguers were too scared that they were going to lose their dream if they did, if they ever, you know, took a stand and made this happen. So MLBPA, the MLBPA coming in there and doing these anonymous uh, votes. I think was was really smart because the MLBPA has the the strong position where they 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 already exist as a union, um, and then the minor leaguers get to, to get to say do we do I you know they get to ask themselves do I want to be a part of a union do I want to make this happen without having to put themselves out there and go around and be like hey guys let's start a union, um, so uh, th- I think that worked out really great for them. Uh, and and I, I'm really amazed at how fast the turnaround has been on this. This has been going fast. A week and a half, and they already have more than 50% of those cards back. Like, that is that is unbelievable, and it's really exciting. And um, at this point, you know, uh, usually I, I, my understanding is that, uh, that the corporations don't like to just – uh, acknowledge the unions they like to push it to the formal vote with the national labor relations board and all this um and, and even if they do that i with the speed with which the the minor leaguers hit that threshold it seems likely that they will succeed in a in a stronger vote or in a more formal vote um, and I think a lot of the guys have been looking forward to this. Uh, I think uh, I think we see that in how fast this has been done is that these guys did want to unionize. They did want to negotiate for better conditions, better pay, whatever. Um, 
and they were just afraid. They didn't know, you know, how am I going to make this happen without getting cut before I can, I, I can get anywhere with it. So, uh, I, I'm just really excited for them, and I hope that uh, that this goes through, uh, that the process continues to move rapidly, and the minor leaguers can get themselves a, a collection, a collective bargaining agreement with, with uh, Major League Baseball uh, in the very near future, and and get themselves. Uh, you know, some better pay. Uh, the living conditions have improved. We know because the MLB did come out last year and, and dictate like you got to make this. You got to you got to start providing some living for your minor leaguers. Um, so that's 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 improved. That's not as bad as it was. It was horrifying. Uh, just for anybody who doesn't doesn't remember or didn't know, it was like six guys living in two bedroom apartments. They were sleeping in bathtubs. They were sleeping. You know, filling up living rooms. That was just it was crazy. Um, and and so. Hopefully this is going to help them get the the money they 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 deserve and get them uh, you know the the nutrition and the 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 training that they need uh, to become major league players. Max, I I know that you're you're a policy state analyst, you know more of a policy analyst, not a labor lawyer. But what's the significance of them joining the AF, AFL CIO? That's a question. I don't know. <laughs> I saw that okay. too, and I I, I think it's just. Uh probably just solidarity and, and I don't know if they get some resources out of that or, mm. or okay. you know, I know a lot of times when one union goes on strike, you know, the others will vow not to do business with that entity. Um, so like if, if mm. there's another player strike or work stop or a lockout, um, other unions will say, you know, if they're working on a constructing a stadium, they may say, the Teamsters may say, oh, we're not going to work on this ballpark until you guys figure this out. So I think it's, it's more to do with that. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of labor law. So I don't know. Um, you know, one thing, uh, you know, when we do have kind of unionization efforts and we've seen this, I think with some of the companies around uh, the country and we saw this with, I don't know if in Kansas city, there was a Starbucks that tried to unionize and Starbucks shut the store down. Um, that's kind of a common refrain with unionization efforts is a threat of like, well, that'll lead to less jobs because either they'll they'll retaliate or they'll say because of the more money we have to spend on unionized employees, that's at least that's going to create uh, that's going to lead to less jobs. And we're going to fire some people. Or, so there has already been talk about, you know, is Major League Baseball, if they unionize the minor leagues, they've already cut some minor league teams. Will they cut more? Uh, so I don't know, Sean, if you had any thoughts on on that or just the the unionization efforts in general. It's such a bizarre construct because it's like, okay, you know, Starbucks. The, I think the Plaza store is the one that closed, and Starbucks, like, it's it's a great Starbucks by the Plaza one. Uh, you know, they have ten thousand stores. Whatever, they have some outrageous amount of stores in China, all across the world. Um, and so them losing one store, no big deal. Uh, what is that? You know, a million dollars in revenue or something like that. Um, you know, the Royals shutting down high A, right? That's 30 roster spots or whatever, more than 30 at, at this point. Um, you know, that's that's really cuts off maybe not an arm, maybe not a leg, probably not a foot, but it cuts off a couple toes. Um, you know, it's it's it, it hurts. So that's what's always been so bizarre about this was it's like, hey, if you guys unionize, we're going to just like eliminate some teams. It's like, well – but that's bad for you, right? If I'm if I'm the minor leaguers, I'm thinking like, okay, you're gonna like hurt your own development, hurt your own major league product. So it's kind of just a very bizarre threat um, that the MLB makes. But yeah, I mean, like the others on this call, I'm absolutely for 
um, unionization um, in all aspects, not just baseball, but in everything. Um, so if there's any Tesla workers out there, you guys need to unionize. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm for everybody across the board. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really going to be something that, you know, they've been pushing for for a very long time. And up next is um, Sher the Sherman Act, the whatever it is, the, the antitrust law uh, from way back when is hopefully uh, due up soon as well. And, you know, there's just a big sea of change coming, but unfortunately, they're they're facing the ultimate villain, the whatever you know, Rob Manfred. They've got uh, well, he's maybe not Goodell level. He's maybe not Emperor Palpatine, but he's <laughs> he's uh, he's Thanos level. He's least. more of a we. He's kind of like the more of a weaselly underling that uh, yeah. does the bidding of the. Uh, let's be the, honest, he's doing the bidding of the owners who are kind of more in the. We uh, got two Star Wars nerds on here. What's the <laughs> what's the equivalent of that? Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, okay. Grand Moff Tarkin's okay. doing. Yeah, executing the order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I, I, we'll see. I think I, I think the antitrust exemption, which I think Bernie Sanders and a few other uh, uh, senators mm -hmm. have raised, uh, I think they like using that as a as a weapon they'll never use. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't think I've really read a good analysis of what would happen if that would be ex if that would be lifted. Like I think what I've read is like just teams would be able to relocate. The minor leagues, as they currently exist, would probably not. They'd probably all be independent. Um, now, unionizing may change that. I mean, I guess the minor leaguers could say, as a union, we'll stay affiliated and we'll work under these conditions. But I don't know. That would definitely throw a wrench in everything. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And the Royals, to their credit, I mean, Dave Moore has been very clear. Um, he does not want teams cut. He was very upset that teams were cut before. He thinks that's really bad for small market teams in particular because they can't. Uh, you know, find as many gems like with Merrifield or players like that. So um, I, I'm sure they'll fight back a little bit, but uh, we'll have to see what happens with all of that. Uh, we're going to take a break and discuss the NFL. If you are not a fan of professional football, you'll want to either fast forward to the end for our reviews or just, and you can end the podcast here and we'll, we'll catch you next time. If you are a fan of the professional football, we're going to just give our thoughts on the upcoming season. I know we're a baseball podcast and I, I, I I've already done a terrible job in my fantasy football drafts but we're going to look at the, the preview of the upcoming season and discuss the boys from across the parking lot uh right after this all right we're back and we're on the eve of the national football league schedule and i know you two are both avid uh, football league uh fans uh, and I, I am too i'm a big i'm a big chiefs fan um uh so well first of all we'll start with the, the local team the chiefs across the street um who have won an afc you know the last time they did not win the afc west division title the Royals were fresh off a world championship win. That's how long it's been. Uh, I'll start with you, Sean. Is this the year that the Chiefs finally get dethroned off the AFC West? We've seen, you know, they lost Tyreek Hill. The, the, the Raiders picked up Devontae Adams. The Broncos picked up Russ Wilson. The Chargers have a, a good team, as always. Is this the year the, Royal, the Chiefs finally get dethroned? Yeah, I'm not really ready to. I'm not ready to bury them yet, but it's certainly the year that the case could be made the best, at least recently. I mean, I think some folks forget, and not not that I think it's going to happen again necessarily, but I, I think it was twenty, maybe twenty eighteen. Um, I think it's twenty eighteen, maybe twenty nineteen. Sorry, uh, the Chargers tied the Chiefs. The Chargers had the exact same record as Chiefs. They only lost the division because of the tiebreaker, um, and they even beat the Chiefs in. Arrowhead on that last minute throw to Michael Williams, whoever it was in the right end zone, um, the two point conversion. So, yeah, I mean, like the, the Chargers have they the Chiefs have been so superior to everybody that they could they could keep winning out. And even in the games, even when they kind of had a, maybe an equivalent opponent in the Chargers, um, 
they still, you know, got the tiebreaker on. So I think if anything, while I don't necessarily, I still would pick the Chiefs to win the division. Um, but there, this is the year of any year where I think it's a, the margin is a lot closer, right, um, than, than in prior years past. Uh, Jeremy, I think in Kansas City, there's been a lot of talk about how everyone's overlooking the Chiefs. Oh, they're 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 bad mouthing the Chiefs. No one's picking the Chiefs, and you know there's been a lot of talk about the Bills, kind of the shiny new thing, the Bengals, the the Rams, the returning champs. Uh, you're not in Kansas City, so I think you probably have a better perspective. Are people sleeping on the Chiefs this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> they have. They still have Patrick Mahomes, guys. Yeah. It's the, no one's counting the Chiefs out as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. They might say, "Oh, he's he's only the second best quarterback and the third best quarterback," and that might feel like a slight, especially if you're Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes thinks he's number one, and he's he's always, he's always going to think it's a slight when people say he's not number one, but. Everybody still knows he's Patrick Mahomes, and he's up there, and quarterback is just the most important position in football. As long as Patrick Mahomes is on this team, as long as Andy Reid is coaching this team, and both of those things seem likely to remain true for quite a while, uh, they're going to they're going to be perennial Super Bowl contenders, at least, if not Super Bowl favorites. Um, now, does that guarantee that they're going to win the division? Uh, as has been mentioned, as you guys are kind of talking about, no, it doesn't guarantee they're going to win the division. But I, you know, they're not going to lose to the Raiders. They're probably not going to lose to the Broncos. It's going to be the Chargers. You know, Justin Herbert, who is also, uh, who is actually, I believe, an underrated quarterback a little bit. Um, people don't seem to talk about Justin Herbert just because the the Chargers. And, and this is the weird thing: is the past few years the Chargers have just been incredibly unlucky, and the Chiefs have been incredibly good and also incredibly lucky. Um, just think about the Fitz magic throw uh, that made them the number one overall seed, uh, uh, and then you know they they just keep getting away with things uh, where they they lose a game and you're like, oh, that's gonna hurt them in the seeding, and, and they've been close to losing the the division for a minute uh but the the things will happen where they're like oh they're gonna like they lost to the bills last year really badly just like oh well there goes the number one seed and then oh no they, this wildness happened and the chiefs ended up with the number one seed anyway so i it's everybody still thinks that the chiefs are, are really good they i think everybody was picking the bills because it's boring to pick the chiefs over and over and over again and, and they're paid to be entertainers as much as analysts um, and, you know, Josh Allen is really good. The Bills are really good. Uh, and, and they could certainly give the Chiefs a run for their money. No, I think that's the best point. It's like, yeah, it, it, it pays to be a little contrarian, right? Like, it, it does get boring to pick the Chiefs every year or to say that Unless the Unless you're Nick Wright. Nick Wright, <laughs> Nick Wright goes on air just, oh, it's so great. I mean, it's, I love it. It's Sometimes homerism is good, you know, and it's just so funny to watch. Sorry. Well, you know, but we saw that with the Patriots, too. I mean, you had certain Boston sports writers who picked them all the time, and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. everyone should have picked them, but, you know, it, yeah, it's boring to say, yeah. oh, yeah, Tom Brady and the Patriots are the favorites again this year. It's like, well, yeah. every year, let's pick a different team this year. So I, I get that to an extent. But, yeah, I, yeah, the, the analysis, I, I listen to sports talk radio, and I read Arrowhead Pride, and they do a great job at Arrowhead Pride, and they can certainly go down the minutiae, but I always feel like it comes down to, like, is, is Patrick Mahomes still their quarterback? Yeah, okay. Well, they're still one of the top three teams in contending for the Super Bowl this year. So, um, I I thinking, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Hey. I was looking at the Packers. Uh, so, yeah, the Packers from – maybe that's the closest analogy. I mean, from 11 – Packers finished first place in the division from 11 to 14. So, four years, a quick second place, and then back to first place. So, like that – I think that's, I think that's the, 
I think that's the kind of anal- not analogy, but I think that's what could happen with the Chiefs is that, yeah, maybe they don't win the division. Uh, maybe they just get second place. Right. But they're still like the playoffs in that sense. So uh, and then they're back to birth. You know what I mean? So it could I mean, you just think about it. One wrong game um, is the difference between winning a division or not. You know, one thing not going your way. Think about the opposite of if the, you know, and I say this as a part-time Ravens fan, if if uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't fumble, I think it was Edwards-Hilaire, if he doesn't fumble in that Ravens game in week two of last year, the Chiefs maybe win that game and they would be in the division, right? But they did fumble. And so the, the margin of one game can be the difference between winning your division or not. So I, I think it's, I think it's, I think the worst case scenario is the Chiefs are the second seed just because some random event, you know what I mean? Just kind of randomness hits them. Yeah, it does feel like the margin of error is a lot less this year. Is there is there a team where, you know, last year we saw the Bengals kind of not come out of nowhere. I think people knew they had some young talent, but they kind of came on a little faster than people expected. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, great electric combo. Um, is there maybe a team you guys see as, as making that jump this year or maybe a team that everyone's sleeping on? Because I always feel like, you know, every year we go watching the season and it's like the same couple of teams because quarterback play is so important. And whoever mm-hmm. has a good quarterback, you can kind of say, well, that team's going to be good. And if you don't, if your team has, you know, uh, Carson Wentz, you know that team's probably not going to be very good. So uh, I know is there a team you guys see as as maybe being able to make that jump? I don't know. Is it whoever has a team ready to go? Yeah, I mean, like if you look at, you might be surprised. So this team, this mystery team, let me decide the narrative. Has a really good coach. They're actually a very analytically head minded coach. Um, they uh, have a good defense, good wide receivers, one of the best offensive lines. They just swapped out a terrible, one of the worst quarterbacks, I think, in the league for a good quarterback. Um, And they are ninth on PFF current, like, quantitative power rankings. And they are, uh, I think it's like ninth or tenth. It doesn't get the number for uh, 538's power rankings. The team is the Colts. Um, Colts have a super easy division for the most part. No, I mean, Titans are the best team. They're not that particularly good. Uh, Texans stink. Um, and I, I don't remember what they finished last year. Second place in their division, I think. And so they don't have so. to face the toughest one. And I, I don't even know who they're playing, who the opposite division. But the tight, or excuse me, the Colts um, are a really kind of trendy and decent pick for like, not necessarily out of nowhere because they made the playoffs and they lost to the Bills, but a team that could win the division, maybe even the one seed just by proxy of playing nobody. And Like the Titans just last year played nobody, won 12 games and won the division just by proxy. Addition by subtraction, uh, losing Carson Wentz. <laughs> he stinks. God, I can't believe Just going to, was it uh, Matt Ryan's our quarterback this year, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. And, and not that he's any great shakes, but he's not Carson Wentz. So. Yep, exactly. Jeremy, do you have uh, a, a surprise team? Yeah, so I, I don't know if this really counts. Uh, the Colts are a great pick, by the way. Uh, but the I think the Chargers, I think people are still sleeping on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're a really good team. They're certainly – everyone's like, oh, the, the Broncos got Russell Wilson. Uh, you better look out. Uh, they're, they're still the Broncos. Like, all they have is Russell Wilson. Um, so uh, the the Chargers scary because they got a really good defense with Joey Bosa. And, uh, and then, you know, Justin Herbert, as I said, is I think underrated as a quarterback. Um, and they're, they're a team that just missed the playoffs last year. Uh, and, and I think, uh, if they, if, if they could stop getting in their own way, stop having so much bad luck, uh, they could really, uh, put some fright into some NFL teams. Yeah. And on their defense, I mean, they've completely turned over their defense. It's kind of Brandon Staley, who's a defensive, defensive coach, like, uh, really got rid of everybody, brought in his own guys. People forget they got Khalil Mack now. Oh, yeah, uh, they I mean, they're way, way better defensively. It seems like 
Um, and if Deron James is healthy, I mean, yeah, they, I know we literally just did a whole kind of small segment on why the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC West, but the Chargers are, are, are very good. Um, can I go one more? The Eagles, I think, are super sneaky, too. Jalen Hurts is kind of, I think he's a little better than they think. They got A.J. Brown, who's freaking ridiculous. If anybody who watched the Titans 49ers game from last year, where basically the entire 49ers defense knew that Tannehill was throwing the ball to A.J. Brown, and he still caught every pass and just <laughs> destroyed them. Uh, I, I think that the, the Eagles, um, again, another kind of softer division, even though the Cowboys are, are good. Um, you know, I, I think the Eagles are a decent pick of kind of a zero to nowhere, uh, you know, turnaround. But again, the Eagles made the playoffs last year too. So it's kind of a fringe one anyways. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Eagles are the first one until you said changing quarterbacks. But yeah, that's a good pick as mm-hmm. well. And that, that division's going to be, I think, dreadful this year. <laughs> I don't yeah. think the Commanders are going to be any good. I don't think the Giants are going to be any good. And the Cowboys are probably going to regress. So. Yeah. Um, my pick is the Vikings. I think the Vikings mm-hmm. and, and, you know, a good friend, Alec Lewis, friend of the show, uh, is yeah. now on their beat and that'll probably give them some good mojo. But, um, I think, I think they have the best two pair of receivers in the league, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook is a solid running back. Not the running backs are mm-hmm. that important anymore, but it's nice to have a good one. I think their defense is solid. Um, not great maybe, but, but pretty solid. Um, and Kirk Cousins does get a lot of grief, but he's also <laughs> a capable quarterback he's not going to lead I you, thought to you were just going to not talk about him <laughs> so hard. the less said the better maybe he's not he's not a guy that's going to make uh huge mistakes i don't think he's like jimmy garoppolo carson wentz blunder uh bad um he's competent he's he's a, like a lot of chiefs quarterbacks we had before patrick Mahomes. he's like your alex smith your elvis gerback your um you know your steve bono um, and I can see, and those Chiefs teams always were like good for a random thirteen and three year where like the, everything bounced their way. They had kind of an easy schedule, and uh, they were the number one seed. And then they got bounced in the first round. So I kind of see that with the Vikings. They, I think the North is not good. The Bears are dreadful. The Lions, I, I like where the Lions are going, but they're not there yet with Jared Goff as a quarterback. Uh, the Packers may not be as good. I don't. I don't yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has to start aging at some point. I don't care what kind no, of. That's what they keep saying about Tom Brady. Yeah, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fountain of youth has to run out at some point. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm going to start thinking they're on some sort of Barry Bonds uh, regiment there. But uh, the you know, Vikings. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. I, I mean, I just think the Vikings. They're going to have an easy schedule. I don't think the NFC is that really good outside of the West, and so I think the schedule alone could could really help out a lot of these teams uh yeah i mean if you just think i like cousins man and cousins like people are i mean there's like sleeper picks of you know the the raiders well card cousins are pretty much pretty close like from a skill level right Tannehill, who i actually really like um i mean they, he just won the number one suit uh last year in the afc so i i totally think matt and then matt ryan i mean matt ryan's again i just picked the colts who are a nice team and I think Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins are kind of the same for the most part. So, yeah, um, I, I think I think as long as the, the, the Packers defense is really, really, really good um, and Rodgers is probably still Rodgers. But, yeah, I mean, I think if there's a year that – I mean, I, the Vikings made the playoffs two years ago. Um, so it's not as if they're just like some terrible hard luck franchise for years. Um, I, I think that's realistic. Yeah, I think the Vikings made the playoffs. And then they fired a, a terrible coach and, and hired – Yeah, a very a, bad coach. And hired a, yeah. young, a young guy from the Rams yeah. and – We'll yeah. see. Sometimes that gets overrated a little bit, but you know, a, a change of uh, uh, coaching could uh, be, benefit them a lot. So, uh, we were on the eve of the NFL season. Super Bowl pick. Uh, who wants to go first? Oh, I did, was not prepared for this. Jeremy, go ahead. Uh, the Chiefs over the Buccaneers. 
I've seen that. That would be great to get the revenge off uh, old man Brady. Mahomes needs to be Brady and send him into retirement. That's that's what needs to happen. <laughs> well, is, is he going to retire in the middle of the season to do the mass singer? Because uh, it sounds like Tom Brady, he hasn't been there all preseason, right? Is he even ready for that? Is he no. even ready to play football? He looked, I, I, you know what? I have no problem with Tom Brady. I know he gets hit. He gets kind of crapped on a lot, but they had a thing of him standing at the booth or at the, the podium uh, like a week ago. He just looked bad, man. I mean, he just, I mean, he looks great, but he doesn't look like, you know, he, he's a God still, but he still, you know, he still looks like a God, but he still just like look just worn out. Um, and who knows what he just, his little 11 day absence, who knows what he was doing that whole time, but apparently draining blood and giving it to, you know, the devil or something like that. I, I keep seeing these headlines about how his wife has, has uh, like run away it's like they put the the term is like the terms they're using are very weird. Um, like it's not like she's she's you know left or you know something normal. It's like she fled. I'm like what? <laughs> and it's and then the, I'm like did he like and I can't find any reason why you would use the term fled. But they and I imagine that's a huge distraction for him. Is she a damsel uh, in distress. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. It's the weirdest thing. He they he had those crypto commercials, so maybe his his crypto portfolio is not doing too well. Maybe that's why he had to <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. yeah he had to go shill that somewhere. Yeah. But fortune uh, favors a bold, I guess. Uh, yeah. Did you have a was, Super Bowl pick? Did you have time to think of one? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Bills from the AFC and mm. just looking at the NFC, and there's nobody. I'll I will throw in from the NFC. Uh, I'll go Rams again. I'll, I'll say I'll say Bills Rams um, from from the NFC. My my sleeper one was going to be the 49ers, but I don't I don't think the I don't know if the 49ers they still just don't have a great quarterback to like really get them over the hump necessarily. Not you know Jimmy G's obviously very successful, but to really really be like I want to lock these guys in as that. So I'll say Rams Bills. Uh, I'll say Chiefs because uh, I think they're the best team. But but you know there's I recognize there's some homerism in there too. I think the Chiefs will beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game. I think it's a game for the ages. And then I think I, I, I'll I'll say it. I think they beat the Vikings in the Super Bowl oh, uh, there because they have to administer they have to administer defeat to the two franchises that have like experienced oh, yeah. the most heartbreak in the in the playoffs, <laughs> uh, and the Chiefs are going to be the one to administer it. I, I honestly think the Rams are probably the best team in the NFC, but I don't want to I don't want to pick repeat, so I'll go Vikings. Yeah, there you go. So, well, you you know. Uh, you can uh, follow the NFL at Arrowhead Pride. Definitely do that. I mean, we talk about it sometime in the rumblings, but I'm definitely not an expert. I don't know. Uh, definitely. Uh, Sean, you've got some good tweets about the NFL. I think you're a very yeah. educated fan. Who, hey, I'm um, firing them off. Yeah. It's, it's tweet season, baby. That's right. Uh, let's wrap things up with our Royals review reviews. Sean, uh, you're our guest. You want to lead things off tonight? Yeah, man. I've seen a lot of good stuff recently, so I'm actually going to rapid fire four of them. Sorry, everybody. Uh uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Just watch it. I can't believe it took me so long to watch it. Easily one of the best movies of the 2000s. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to see some cool stuff, some really cool just visual shots, and you're going to see some cool kung fu. So um, I thought of it. My film comp was, um, oh, my God, now I'm blanking on it, uh, Kung Fu Hustle, which is kind of a, a, a weird film from like 2004 or something like that, maybe even a little earlier than that, um, by the guy that did Shaolin Soccer and did something else. Um so Kung Fu Hustle is kind of a quote similar to that. Uh, Bullet Train was pretty freaking good. Um, Brad Pitt and a host of other kind of um, 
random actors that you, you've seen in random stuff, uh, Michael Shannon and whatnot. Uh, really, really, really good. Very enjoyable. Um, just a good kind of comedy. Uh, I went out of my box and watched The Sandman. I really, this kind of, I wouldn't call it fantasy necessarily, but stuff like that, particularly superhero movies, just have never really um, attracted me. But Sandman was really, really good on Netflix. Very bingeable. Probably some of the visually the best stuff I've ever seen. My last one is Severance on Apple TV. If you aren't watching that, it's the best show. Max and I are very big succession lovers. Um, I think I would put Severance up there as far as, you know, only looking at one season so far of one of the best shows that I've ever seen. It's 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 awesome. Uh, it's hilarious. It's great twist. Very, very creative. There's been a bunch of stuff that, like, kind of blew me away in a sense of, like, oh, wow. It's a very simple, very simple concept, and I won't spoil it. It's really not that big of spoilers, but there's a very simple concept, and they explore every single kind of small little navigation and route you can take from that that individual idea and go down deep, some deep, deep ideas, things I would never thought of. So Severance is also great on Apple TV. I absolutely loved Severance. I thought that was a, one of the best shows I've seen in the last couple of years, and uh, I won't spoil the romance, but the the, the romantic storyline was probably oh, yeah. was legitimately one of the most one sweetest, the most romantic storylines yeah. I've seen from it's two people you would not expect. So that was Never. that was yeah. that was great. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, what do you have for us this week? All right, so I know that I am like way behind on this one, uh, but I uh, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I finally finished my uh, I think it was like two year now journey through Naruto. Um, so I was able to finish or I was able to start another TV show finally uh, uh, over the weekend. And I decided to watch Ted Lasso on uh, Apple TV. And I I did not buy into the hype. I was like, this show cannot be this good. But I have a free six months of Apple TV through my PlayStation. So I'm going to try it out. And holy cow, I cannot. I started it, I can't remember if it was Sunday night or Monday night. I am almost through with the first season already. Like, I'm probably going to finish it tonight. It is. It made me laugh so hard for the first few episodes. And then it just really started pounding me with all kinds of emotions in the last couple of episodes. Um, and it's just, it's so authentic feeling. And it's so, like, honest about, like, emotions and relationships and, and how... Uh, and the depiction of um, there, there's a scene. I think it was in the sixth or seventh episode of uh, Ted has a panic attack, and it was so authentic that it almost gave me one. Um, which you know, so be careful with it. But like, it was also really cool to see. Like, oh man, like you got it. Uh, so the I, I the hype is real, even though it's old hype at this point. Uh, Ted Lasso, very good. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And now, uh, what was that other Apple TV show you just recommended, Sean? Severance. Severance. I may need yeah. to uh, to check that out next. I feel like everybody has said Ted Lasso. I feel like everybody has said, oh, I'll give it a shot. I'm not expecting much. And everybody's been just blown away by it. I know yeah. at least three other people that have said exactly that. Max, you're shaking your head like that. No, no, yeah, no, exact same thing. Yeah, like it, it just like – uh, like I, I was kind of the same. I was like, oh, it's probably, it's probably kind of funny, and I like Jason Dacus. And then I was not expecting it to be kind of as uplifting as it is. And like, it's really refreshing mm-hmm. because we were. I think we've been pounded with antiheroes for so much, which is great. And I love a lot of those shows, but um, it's just nice to get like such a positive message from a show. And if you haven't seen the last episode, Jeremy, it is the fantastic. The last episode is phenomenal i think uh so you'll enjoy it i'm still the last episode of season one or season two season one i'm still catch up on season two i'm still in the middle of season two okay yeah um 
My Royals review review this week is, um, I, and I want to get your thoughts on these guys. This as well, uh, this as well too, uh, since I know I think you guys are both still fans. But I the the prequel for Game of Thrones is Ring. Uh, it's a uh, now I'm blanking on the name of it. House of the Dragon. House oh, of the House Dragon. of the Dragon. I'm confusing with Rings of Power, which I'm also watching, mm-hmm. which is I'm a little more meh on. Uh, but but House of the Dragon is good. It's pretty good. I was kind of skeptical about it uh, because I'm like I enjoyed Game of Thrones. And then as soon as it was over, I, like, never thought about Game of Thrones. Like, I lived Game of Thrones for, like, the years it was on. And then as soon as it was over, I never thought of it again just because of how badly it ended. And so I was like, oh, this, we'll see how this is. And it's, it's it reminded me of why I enjoyed Game of Thrones. Because it's, it immerses you into this world, and there's scheming, and there's, like, how are they going to resolve this? And, you know, it's not quite the same show as Game of Thrones, although they use the same theme song. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. Would you, do you guys have song. have you guys been catching up on it yet? Have you been able to catch it? Go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, I honestly, I was so burned by the end of Game of Thrones that last mm-hmm. season. I just said, I what do I want with a prequel series? So I have not watched it as of yet. But you are not the first person to tell me that it's really good and it's more like the earlier seasons of Game of Thrones, and that I should give it a chance. So I might yet give it a chance, but I, I have not yet watched it. I'll say I'll be the third person to tell you it's good because I, it, you know, that I'm some expert. I'm not Alan Sepinwall, and I think Alan Sepinwall actually likes it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really good. I've really enjoyed it. Um, Gosa Potsnek is great. Um, he's not going to be doing season two, uh, but it, I, I think I think it's really good. Uh, I. It probably couldn't live. I'd, I'd be curious to see if it could actually live if it didn't follow Game of if it, If the show came out of nowhere, right? If it didn't already have the backing of Game of Thrones, if they just started with House of the Dragons, I, I don't know how that would go necessarily, but I think it's really cool. And it's, it's certainly not just a retread of, of Game of Thrones. Some, there are some Easter eggs and whatnot. Um, a lot of characters are kind of similar, uh, but I think, it's, I, I think it's really great. The acting's been really good. I, I love Matt Smith. Matt Smith has been awesome in it as well. And Pat Patty uh, Con- Considine, I think he's been really <clears throat> yep. good, and, and the young girl I, I don't know her name that plays his daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I will say it's, I don't think it's, it's it's great. It's a really good show. It's not I, it doesn't capture yeah. me quite in the way of Game of Thrones, just because uh, I think Peter Dinklage was phenomenal in Game of Thrones, and they don't have a character that's kind of like that that kind of clever brevity, you know, a little bit of comedy, but also like has the wise things to say. So they don't. There's not that yet, and so, and then it's going to take some time, I think, to develop some of these characters but um uh, oh reese 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 Ethans? is that how you say his name yeah uh, he's really good from the replacements or replacement notting hill or i don't know whatever you want to play yeah, yeah so yeah. uh and he's it's kind of interesting to see him in a very serious role but uh he's fantastic so yeah anyway so a couple episodes in but i'm i'm kind of hooked and i'm kind of reminded about how good it is so it's, it's nice you didn't, to back. you didn't like i'm with you rings of power is kind of eh, a little more i think the first 10 minutes of the first episode is, is really freaking cool yeah um but like after that, it's it looks like, like a million oh, bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah a, bil- a billion bucks, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it right. looks really good. And new, and I know I keep tweeting about this. If you have an OLED, any listeners out there, it's going to look awesome on your OLED TV. Um, uh. But then, yeah, the Hobbit stuff is kind of boring. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know. It, it's okay. It's it's fun. It, it might be one of those shows you just binge watch the entire season. Just you wait for them all to air, then you watch them. You don't have to watch yeah, it on Friday night. 
that's been my plan for both of those shows is to is to you know well I'm not that is my plan now for uh, House of Dragons, mm-hmm. but uh, my plan for for the Lord of the Rings was to wait for it to all be out and then to kind of watch it and see if it any of it sticks with me. It makes me want to watch another season of it. Yeah, yeah, it's not Sunday night viewing like a lot of HBO like Succession. Well, Succession to me is it you know or or Game of Thrones. Everybody watched Game of Thrones on Sunday yeah. night. This is certainly one you could wait. Yeah, I'm not like a big Lord of the Rings guy. Like the movies kind of did nothing for me. And I tried, I've read some of the novels and I, I couldn't get into them that much. Um, but it's, the, the show is okay. It's, it's, it's got me so far. And, and I, I, I'm not like, I, you kind of put it well. Like, I'm not like, like jumping to go watch it when it comes out, but like, I'll, I'll turn it on when I have nothing else to do. So we'll Yeah, but did you hear that? He goes, he goes, well, I'm not really into it. I mean, I've read the books. I've seen the movies. I've seen the prequel. Uh, well, I saw the, I saw the movies because my, I mean, ki- my kids wanted to see it. And I read the books because uh, I was uh, in England. People, and everyone that I was with was reading it. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. And I was like, eh, uh, yeah. yeah. People <laughs> will tell me that I'm not a big enough Lord of the Rings nerd because I have tried twice to read the Silmarillion and gotten absolutely nowhere That's with it. It's a tough book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I just was thinking, oh, Matt, you've probably seen the 70s cartoon, the Bob, whatever it is, cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sean, thanks again for coming on this week. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for being here as well. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey!